Section 18 of Kopal Kundala. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Yoganam. Kopal Kundala by Bankim Chandra Chatterjee. Translated by H. A. D. Phillips. Part 3. Chapter 1. In the Past. When Nobukumar started with Kopal Kundala from the Chutti, Moti Bibi went by another road to Badwan. While she is on her way, we will say something of her former history. Moti's character was very corrupt, but at the same time, she had many good qualities. Veda will not object to a more detailed account of such a character. When her father embraced the Mohammedan religion, her Hindu name was changed into Lutufunisa. Moti Bibi was never her name, but she used to take it whenever she travelled incognito in different countries. Her father went to Dhaka and got an appointment under the emperor. But there were many of his country people there and no one, after being outcasted, likes to remain in the same society. For this reason, he for some time gained favour in the eyes of this Subadar and getting letters from many of his minister friends, he came to Agra with his family. No one's merit remained concealed from Akbar Shah, who was not slow to appreciate his worth. Lutufanisa's father was quickly promoted to high post and was reckoned as one of the principal nobles of Agra. In the meanwhile, Lutufanisa was gradually growing up. On coming to Agra, she was well instructed in Persian, Sanskrit, dancing, singing, wit and other accomplishments. She began to be reckoned among the countless beautiful and virtuous ladies of the capital. But unfortunately, she had not been so well instructed in morals as in secular education. When Lutufanisa grew up, it became clear that the inclination of her mind were quite unrestrainable. She had neither power nor wish to curb her passions. Her inclinations for good or evil were alike. She never used to consider before doing anything that this action was a good one and that a bad one. She used to do whatever pleased her. If a good action gave her pleasure, she would do it and vice versa. The sins which spring from the strength of youthful passions were produced in Lutufanisa. As her former husband was living, none of the nobles were willing to marry her, nor was she particularly desirous of marrying. Why, thought she, should she clip the wings of the bee that sports from flower to flower? At first, things were whispered about her, and at last her corruption became a matter of common talk. Her father got angry, and turned her out of his house. Among those on whom Lutufanisa used secretly bestow her favours was a young prince Salim. The latter had not yet made Lutufanisa an inmate of his harem, through fear of incurring the wrath of his impartial sire by bringing dishonour on a noble's family. Now there was a good opportunity. The sister of the Rajput chief, Man Singh, was the prince's chief consort. The prince made Lutufanisa her head companion. In the eyes of the world, Lutufanisa was a Begum's friend, but in secret a prince's concubine. It may be easily be imagined that a clever woman like Lutufanisa would quickly captivate the prince's heart. Her ascendancy over Salim was so unrivaled that she determined, when a fitting opportunity presented itself, to become his queen. Nor was such resolve entirely confined to Lutufanisa, for all the inmates of the palace looked upon it as probable. In the dream of such a hope, Lutufanisa was passing a life when she was crudely awakened. Mahar Nisa, the daughter of Kajayas, Akbar Shah's treasurer, 
was the queen of Muslim beauties. One day, the treasurer invited Salim and other men of note to his house. There, Salim first met Mehrnisa and was captivated by her. What happened after that is known to all the readers of history. The treasurer's daughter had already been betrothed to one Sher Afghan by name, a very brave noble. Salim, blind with love, asked his father to cancel the betrothal, but he only received a rebuke from his just sire. Therefore, Salim had to desist for the present. But though he desisted for the present, he did not give up all hope. Mahernisa was married to Sher Afghan, but Salim's desires were in the mirror of Lutufnisa's nails. She clearly saw that there was no escape for Sher Afghan, not if he had a thousand lives. When Akbar Shah died, his life also would be put to an end too and Mahernisa would become Salim's queen. Lutufnisa gave up all hopes of the throne. The life of Akbar, the glory of Muhammadan emperors, came to an end. That brilliant sun, whose splendor had lighted up all countries from Turkey to the Brahmaputra, that sun set. At this juncture, Lutufnisa resolved upon a desperate plan for maintaining her own ascendancy. The Rajput chief Raja Mansingh's sister was Selim's chief queen. Kasru was his son. One day, Lutufnisa was talking with her about Akbar Shah's illness and was congratulating the Rajput girl on soon becoming the emperor's wife, to which Kasru's mother replied, It is true, one's birth is successful, the one becomes the emperor's wife. But she who is the mother of the emperor, she is higher than all. No sooner had Lutufnisa heard this reply than a plan which she had never thought of before occurred to her. She replied, Why should it not be so? It is a matter entirely under your control. How so? asked the Begum. The cunning woman replied, Let the prince give the throne to his son Kasro. The Begum made no answer. That day, neither of them reverted to this topic, but neither of them forgot it. The Begum was not unwilling that her son should ascend the throne in place of her husband. Salim's love for Mehernisa was as much a thorn in the Begum's side as it was in Lutufnisa's. How could Mansingh's sister like to obey an upstart Turkoman girl? Lutufnisa too had a deep meaning in effecting this resolve. On a subsequent occasion, they reverted to this topic and both made up their minds. Lutufnisa made the Begum see that there was nothing strange in placing Kasru on Akbar's throne to the exclusion of Salim. She said, the Mughal Empire has been established by the strong arm of the Rajputs. Mansingh is the ornament of the Rajput race and he is Kasru's uncle. Again, the chief of the Muslims is Khan Azim. He is the principal minister and he is Kasru's father-in-law. If they both give their aid, who will not follow them? By whose strength can the prince seize the throne? To get Mansingh to help us in this matter will be your business. I will see that Khan Azim and other Mohammedan nobles join the conspiracy. With your blessing, I shall be successful, but have one anxiety, lest Khosrow, on coming to the throne, may banish this wretched one from the palace. The Begum understood her companion's wish. She laughed and said, You can marry any noble Nagra you please, and I will make your husband a Mansubdar of 5,000 soldiers. Lutufnisa was satisfied. This was her object. If she must be the wife of some ordinary man in the palace, then wherein lay the pleasure of clipping the wings of the bee that sports on every flower? If she must give up her independence, what pleasure was there in being the slave of the companion of a girlhood Mehernisha? It was a far more honourable position to be the dearly loved wife of some chief minister. Nor was it solely from this desire that Lutufnisa formed her projects. Salim had neglected her and was absorbed in Mehernisa. For this, she sought revenge. 
Khanazim, another nobles of Agra and Delhi, were to a great extent under Lutufnisa's control. It was not to be wondered at that Khanazim should aid in accomplishing the wish of his son-in-law. He and other nobles agreed. Khanazim said to Lutufnisa, "Consider that there is no escape for either of us. If, owing to some mishap, we are successful, therefore it would be as well to leave some path for saving our lives." Lutufnisa said, "What do you advise?" Khanazim said. There is no refuge except Orissa. It is only in that country that the Mughal government is not so firm. We must get the Orissa army under our control. Your brother is a Mansubdar of Orissa. I will give it out tomorrow that he has been wounded in battle. Do you set out for Orissa tomorrow on the pretence of seeing him? There, make all the necessary arrangements and then return. Latumiza agreed to this proposal. It was while she was on a journey back from Orissa. that the reader has been introduced to her end of section 18